Welcome to episode three of the Pogel Podcast. The Pogel Podcast is a new conversation from the Pogel Project that celebrates innovative educators both in and out of the classroom. You will hear about what inspired them to become teachers and how the practice of student-centered education transformed their classrooms and improved outcomes for their students. Learn how they're innovating outside of the classroom as well. Join us as we think out loud with Pogel educators, researchers, and others working to transform teaching and learning for the 21st century. Today's episode features science consultant Shannon Wachowski from the Wyoming Department of Education. In her 14-year career as an educator, Shannon has taught a variety of science and math classes in rural high school settings, as well as facilitated professional development for teachers from pre-service to veteran through her work with the Pogel Project, Pure Physics, and the University of Wyoming. Originally a chemical engineer, Shannon left industry to pursue a career of lifelong learning and helping others learn. In her spare time, Shannon enjoys climbing, running, pottery, quilting, and spending time with her dog Shasta and husband Neil. Shannon will be interviewed today by a Pogel practitioner himself, Wayne Pearson. Wayne joined the faculty at the U.S. Naval Academy, where he taught general and inorganic chemistry, as well as X-ray crystallography courses for 32 years until his retirement in December of 2019. Shannon and Wayne, thank you both very much for being here. And Wayne, I will pass the baton over to you. Okay. Thank you very much, Matt. And thank you, Shannon, for joining us for our our next uh, Pogel podcast. Sure. Happy to be here. Thanks for asking. Okay. Okay. So, you know, it's summer and sometimes, you know, people are moving around. Where are you joining us from today? Um, from my messy office in Fort Collins, Colorado. <laughs> oh, fantastic. <laughs> Colorado. Yes, I was in Colorado last summer. So, uh, yeah, wonderful, wonderful place. So, um, the Pogo Project, it is all about teaching and learning. So, if it's okay with you, uh, can we start with a little uh, pop quiz? Oh, sure. <laughs> okay. I have a few fill-in-the-blank questions for okay. you. Don't think too deeply about any of these. But if the answers are interesting enough, we might want some explanations. So, number one, the most common adjective that friends and family would use to describe you would be? Oh, I'm going to go with direct. Direct. Okay. That's a good thing, I think, in most <laughs> cases. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. So now remember your friends and family will probably be listening to this so they can verify that later. Um, So this is the second question is based upon experience that I had uh, because at the Naval Academy, we had a peer review uh, program where people would come in and watch you teach and your colleagues in the department. And then you would talk about things afterwards. And at one particular time, it was, it was a very Pogel intensive class. And the visitor was not really into Pogel, had never seen Pogel before. And we were talking. He goes, you know, that was, that was really different. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's a little weird. And I started to think, well, he thought it was a little weird. And maybe we don't think it's weird because we are weird. So question number two, on a scale one to ten, how weird are you? Is 10 the, being the most? Yeah, one would be not at all, and 10 would be over the top. I'm going to go like an eight, probably. Oh. Yeah. 
Okay, you don't need to explain anything. I think just the number will do just fine there. And, uh, and actually, uh, I did an online weirdness quiz, and I came out around 7.6. So that, uh, just an informal survey, and, and that's not going to be the last time I ask that question to people. Um, when you need some downtime and you're not teaching in the classroom, uh, what's your favorite activity? Uh, it depends on kind of what kind of downtime I need. Um, so I feel like lately, a lot of times I've been sitting. So anything involving exercise, so taking my dog for a walk or climbing. Um, but if I need something more zen, like my brain's going too much, then um, pottery seems to calm me down a little bit. Oh, I think I could handle the pottery. I'm not sure about the mountain climbing, but uh, yeah. Um, if you had not become a teacher, what would you have done? Well, I think, so I went to Wyoming to see the, the solar eclipse a couple summers ago in August. And I think if I had seen that as a younger person, I would have become an astronomer or something having to do with space. Um, because that was probably one of like the most amazing moments of my entire life. And it oh. was really cool. Okay. So. All right. Okay. Well, that's, that's the end of our short little quiz. Wasn't too oh. bad. Yeah. Um, but of course we know you became a teacher, right? We know that. Um, when did you decide that teaching was your calling and something you really wanted to pursue? Well, I always tell everyone that I didn't start out like knowing I wanted to be a teacher. So I was originally a chemical engineer and I only did that because my counselor in high school told me I was good at math and science. <laughs> I didn't really know. I mean, who knows what they want to do? Maybe some people do. I didn't. Um, but I tutored a lot of chemistry in college. Um, where I went to school had a pretty robust like tutoring learning center for a lot mm -hmm. of their subject areas. Um, so I tutored chemistry. So while I was working as an engineer, it just wasn't very fulfilling. I was really, you know, it just felt like I was going to work and making money, which was fine, but um, I wanted to do something more and something that would, you know, have a, a wider impact and something that I could feel good about. And so I thought back to that chemistry learning center experience and the tutoring that I had done in that, that kind of rang true for me. So oh. that was kind of my turning point. Yeah, I, th I think that's true for a lot of us. That we, we, we like that human contact, and, and that is something that's, that's missing in some areas. Um, many of us are very specialized with respect to what we teach. Uh, I spent most of my time teaching freshmen in inorganic chemistry, but you've taught a wide range of subjects. Would you like to share a list of all those things that you've taught uh, over the years? Sure. Uh, let's see. Well, basically, I taught everything that they would offer at most high schools except for, oh, no, I guess I did teach biology for a year. So biology, earth science, chemistry, physics, AP chem, dual enrollment chemistry. And then we had like a college prep version versus like a applied version of chemistry and physics. Math, I taught some algebra, uh, pre-algebra, algebra two. And then I also taught at the University of Wyoming a pedagogy course, uh, Earth Science for Elementary Teachers. I think that's it. I think that's it. <laughs> there might be one or two that you've forgotten about. <laughs> yeah, <I'm locked> out. <laughs> no, that's that's quite a list. Uh, yeah, I couldn't come near that. Um, so you're very heavily involved in teacher development, right? And teacher preparation, which for a lot of us that end up in 
say a university college setting, we have very little teacher development. It's all on the job training, whether it's as a graduate student or a beginning faculty member or whatever. Uh, do you have thoughts about where teacher development is currently and what we might be able to do better uh, at developing teachers for the upcoming years? Well, I mean, I think my biggest thought on this would be related to science specifically. Um, I think with like the NGSS standards coming out and that has really kind of called for a change in the way that science is taught. And so I think, and I've seen a shift towards more student-centered, more active learning, more, you know, students being the ones in charge of their learning and the teacher as the facilitator. And I think we can always do more in that direction. Um, and so that's been the experience that I've had working with teachers, you know, through groups like Pogol and some of the other groups that I'm involved in where that is the emphasis is on the student and student learning. Mm -hmm. um, but I think we can always do more with that. Uh, but again, a lot of my experience comes from a high school or a secondary setting. Um, when I was at the University of Wyoming, I was in the School of Teacher Education. So it's probably a little bit of a different environment than maybe a different department in a university. But the other thing that I was aware of was, you know, all the teaching and learning centers that are available. And I think that's maybe a good opportunity to help spread information about like what good teaching is. Right. Um, one thing that that's always struck me about Pogel is that um, I always felt it was really, really necessary for me to have a real command of my subject if I was going to dare to step into a Pogel environment. Uh, that it's an open environment where tangential subjects can come up or other comments can come up. There's a lot of input from the students and you really have to be on top of your game to be able to pull it off. And so uh, I would advise some of our newer faculty that you might want to think a little bit about Pogel with a subject you're very comfortable with, uh, something that you really feel that you have down, and maybe you don't want to do Pogel activities all the time. Um, that was my advice to some of our biochemists that were coming in to teach general chemistry for the first time. They were learning the material almost a day or two ahead. Is that consistent with what you see in, in training of young educators, that uh, it's very important to get that content information down before you're comfortable? with that interactive type of environment? Uh, I see a little bit of both, I guess, just from what I've seen from others. Um, but I think my personal view on that, and I, when I first started teaching, I was all about my content um, because that was what I was really interested in and that you know I had come from a strong chemistry background. But the more I got into teaching and the more I worked with my students and the more I talked with others, I made the shift towards really focusing on the pedagogy and developing those student relationships and putting students at the center of the learning and facilitating and doing the learning with them. So while I think it is important to have a good hold of your content because you can maybe anticipate misconceptions and things like that, I hesitate to say it's more important, but I think it's really important to have those facilitation skills. And I think Pogol is one of those things that can provide some of that structure for teachers who don't know how to do that on their own and can help them to create that environment for their students. Mm -hmm. Okay. So All it's right. got to be a bit of both, but yeah. I think through my experience, I almost lean more towards the pedagogy than the content. 
but yeah. you have to have both, I think, to make it effective. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was, I guess, fortunate in that I didn't come into the Pogel environment until about 25 years after teaching my subject. And, and if I didn't know the content at that point, I, I was probably not going to do very well anyway. So uh, that's, that's interesting. Okay. So was there a turning point when you realized just what it meant to be using Pogel in your classroom? Was there, was there an aha moment? Uh, because I know I started and I had some doubts when I first started using it. Uh, was there a, a, anything that might've happened that said, you know, this is really the way to go. This is what I want to do. Well, I think after a few years of teaching, I started to realize like um, my students would take a test, let's say, and I would get the scores back and then I would be surprised. And I think I, I was maybe focused a lot more in doing direct instruction every day. And so I wasn't interacting with my students in the same way. And so I didn't have a, a good finger on the pulse of how my students were doing. And so then when I started using things like Pogol and I incorporated some flipped mastery or flipped classroom things into my teaching repertoire, um, I started to develop better relationships with my students and I was really able to interact with every single student every single day. So that helped me to identify misconceptions and, and help address some of their issues more directly in, in a personal way. And that was really a big turning point for me when I, I felt like I could better meet the needs of my students. I will say, you know, just kind of like you mentioned, I had my doubts and a lot of my students had their doubts also. You change things up on students, especially those that have really learned how to play school. Mm. Um, they get mad and they do <laughs> yes, not like they do. <laughs> and some of them are very vocal. And um, I got a lot of, uh, you're not teaching me. And so that was really interesting. And so then we had a conversation about, well, what does teaching mean to you? And they said, well, you need to be up at the front of the board telling me things. And I said, that is not to me what teaching is. And so then it was a really good opportunity to not only like, it, it was a good opportunity to have those conversations and to build those relationships. And it also helped me to realize that if I want to do things that are a little different, like Pogol or some other things, that I really have to let my students know why I'm doing them. I've heard some people refer to it as like the fourth wall, you know, kind of like a theater reference where you bring the audience into what's happening in the background. And so um, I think the more that I have done that and explained to my students why I'm doing things the way I am, I think that that has helped them develop a better understanding and they've become more invested because they feel more part of. I see. Yeah. I think that's a very similar experience that a lot of us have had. I, I know in going from one semester to the second, I would get some carryover folks from the first semester and they were very beneficial because they would help everybody else get adjusted uh, to, to that style. So that's an interesting story. So in, in the project, most of us are, are divided between high school and college. They're the high school folks, they're the college folks. And, and everybody, of course, is welcome. But you have the unique experience. You've taught at high school, community college, uh, four-year universities. How did that transition come about, going from high school to college? Um, well, so at about year 10 or 11 in teaching, I think I was just kind of looking for something different. And so I just started exploring different options and uh, getting a lot more involved um, with, you know, presenting at workshops and things like that to, to talk to other people and form those connections. And 
I started doing a lot more with facilitating with teachers and doing the professional development side of things, which was really interesting to me. And so this position at the University of Wyoming came up to work with student teachers. And I thought, oh, that seems like a great kind of segue to take, mm. you know, my experiences as a teacher and then transition to something where I can work with people who want to become teachers um, and maybe facilitate some positive learning experiences for them. And so then I was there for about a year and a half. And so I mainly worked with student teachers, supporting them um, during their student teaching experience. And then recently this position at the Wyoming Department of Education came up and actually um, another Pogler told me about the position. So Pogel is responsible for all of my career changes. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I just applied kind of on a whim. And I always make a joke that maybe no one else applied and that's why they hired me. But uh, <laughs> um, So I've only been there for about a month. And so I'm, I still am trying to get a handle on what that job is. <laughs> okay. All right. So you would say your, your career has, has expanded more than it has changed. I mean, it sounds like you still have your high school ties, but you've expanded your horizons to, to include more. Yeah, yeah, I think okay. that that would be a good way to explain it. And always looking to learn more, so I feel like a lot of those experiences have helped me kind of learn more about what teaching is. So staying with Pogel, one thing that always struck me is that I imagine, I've never used Pogel in high school, although I did actually student teach while I was in graduate school, but that was way, Pogel was nowhere near on the horizon at that point. But uh, that that my implementation of Pogel might be different in high school than it is in college. That's, that's always been an assumption of mine. Am I anywhere near on base or am I out in left field with that? Well, I think, you know, some higher ed situations have different challenges, um, you know, especially the larger class size thing, I think, is a common issue. So while I think there's maybe some logistical issues to work around, um, I think when you get down to like the heart and soul of Pogel and, and what it is, like that's the same for everyone. And think, well, maybe there are some logistical things at its core, it's the same. I mean, but everybody puts their own spin on it also, right? Like right. every class, whether it's higher ed or secondary or middle school has its own culture and your students have their own personalities. But I think more alike than we are different. Yeah. Well, that's, that's good to know. <laughs> Not, I guess I could go back and volunteer in high school and, 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 and find out for myself. That would be something to do. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, not everybody who is a Pogel practitioner uh, becomes a working member of the community. Uh, why did you decide to become involved with the project? What do you like the most about it? And dare I say, what do you like the least? So, yeah, I, I was involved with Pogel. Like, I remember going to it was on a like grant funded to a university in Utah. I drove there from Colorado to attend a three day workshop. And that was like the first time I met um, Tim Herzog and a couple of others. And then I got um, involved again when I became part of this professional learning group that was grant funded. And so I was able to attend professional development. So then when I came back, what I really liked about it was it was just such a good community of people passionate about teaching and their students and education and making a positive impact on those things. And as someone who's always taught in rural districts where I was usually like the only person teaching 
chemistry and physics and earth science, um, it was really nice to have other people to collaborate with, whether it was content or just teaching resources. And so to me, that was why I wanted to become more involved, just as a way to be more a part of that community and to continue learning from all of the other people there and to find a way to contribute. What I don't like, I mean, all of that is on a scale, right? It's all relative, but um, <laughs> yeah. I'm a self-described introvert. And so I feel like I always need like my uh, decompression time. And that can be challenging whenever you're working like with any group and finding a way to connect with the community. Like I remember the first, like we talk about this a lot, but the first time I went to my first PNM was a little intimidating because there were all these people there who had developed really strong relationships with each other and connections and kind of trying to come into that can feel challenging. But on the other hand, I'll say that the community is extremely welcoming. And so you have to put yourself out there a little bit, but it's always well received. So it's, yeah. it's kind of a balance. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I would echo your, your sentiment that uh, I'm an introvert also. I've, I've been that all my life. This is an easy community to get to know people. It really, truly is. And it says a lot about how much they care uh, about other people. If you had to pick one thing you've learned about teaching that you'd like to share with other educators, just one thing, what would that be? Hmm. I think for me, the biggest thing was, is to let go. Um, I had a, like a sticky note on my board by my desk that said, um, I can trust my students will get to where I need them to be. And um, I would just look at that all the time, like especially when I was, you know, feeling the need to kind of take control back or micromanage things. And because um, that probably goes back to my, maybe I should have said controlling as my one thing instead of direct. <laughs> um, and so, but I, when you let your students go a little bit and you've maybe done all of this pre-work to, create a culture and an environment or an activity that's going to support student learning and then you're just there to facilitate it students can do amazing things under those conditions uh, but you just have to let go a little bit in order to let them do that and so i think that would be my biggest advice and it's something that um i don't think i've learned it completely yet but it's something i try to keep in mind so so that would be consistent with uh, keep calm and pogo on right yeah oh, <laughs> there yes, you that's go <laughs> connection. <laughs> so Shannon, thanks so much for joining us today and talking about your experiences and your perspective with the project. We really, really enjoyed it and we appreciate uh, you taking the time to be with us. Well, thank you so much. I, um, I appreciate you, know, you asking me all these uh, sometimes challenging questions. <laughs> um, and I just, um, I think without the Pogo project, I would not be the educator that I am. And so I think I owe a lot to all of the people involved in the community um, for creating such a dynamic and engaging space where we can all share and learn from each other. Thanks to all of you today for listening to our conversation on the Pogo podcast. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Pogo practitioner Wayne Pearson. Please join us next time as we think out loud with Pogel educators, researchers, and others working to transform teaching and learning for the 21st century.